jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! Surprise! 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 <laughs> it's a bonus unlock! Congratulations. This Consider this like a wig. <laughs> this is the wig, right? Of the this is the rewigging. This is the wig. This is the wig, which is also the intro song for it's the titular intro song for our live show in which we come out and we perform This is the Wig. And it's like <laughs> it's a disco number. <laughs> this is the wig. What are we doing here? I woke up here. I don't know. (laughs) We are now trapped in a Russian doll Groundhog Day three-inning loop. Yeah. Um, And we can't escape it, even though we said it was over. (laughs) We did say it was over, and when we recorded that yesterday, the uh, Poison Ivy, the new seduction, when we said it was over and it was a cliffhanger, that was the truth. Yeah. That was the truth. But then we stopped recording... And we got nervous. Uh, Not that we have any kind of lack of faith in our generous, incredible, beautiful... Sexy. Sexy, uh, magnanimous listeners. Mm -hmm. But we raised our fundraising goal to $8,000. And because it was like we were recording on a Saturday... And it was slow. And we're like, oh, we have the weekend. And now we don't have any new content after Poison Ivy. We flew too close. (laughs) Yeah, we thought it was just completely unattainable. So we said, let's give them a surprise inning on Monday. Uh, Let's push through the pain. Give them one more episode. as like, hopefully that will give us the bump we need to hit 8,000. And then... But because everybody is so beautiful and sexy and magnanimous and generous, we've already blown past $8,000 fucking dollars. We have exceeded that. So this is now an official, this is our Alanis Morissette thank you tour. Yes. Episode for you. This is our, we are Cher and we can't say three bye. This is, (laughs) Stacey, what is even happening as of recording this right now? And we're not raising our goal. We're just putting that out there. We're putting that out there. It is, let's see how high it can go. We want people to yeah. keep giving, but we're not going to actually raise the number. So this is all, every dollar now over our $8,000 goal is like a little wig for the heart. <laughs> From the heart. <laughs> it's wigs. Look, <laughs> we shouldn't be here. Can we just change the whole website so when you go to it, it just says it's wigs and there's no other content. (laughs) This is, we are gone. We are bereft of all identity except wig. Yeah. Because now, what the hell is even happening? As of our recording this today, which is tomorrow, which is today for you, we're at $8,051. This... We've been telling you all week how this is constantly blowing our minds. Yeah. 
I don't even know what the word is anymore for the... I mean, this is this is Jodie Foster in contact in the wormhole. This is... No words. They should have sent a poet. <laughs> it re- we really are here and planned this episode you're listening to right now because we thought, well, 8,000, that's a very high goal. Let's do and a so push. It just is in typical Gaylord's fashion. We're like, okay, one more. And so here we are, and you don't even need it because you guys have already done, like given more than we ever could have anticipated. Um, I do feel a little bit like Gage from Pet Cemetery, like that <laughs> could just be like that <laughs> could just be my blue velvet dress <laughs> and top and top hat, <laughs> which is a great look on you. But I also feel like I'm not supposed to be here. Do you know what I mean? Like, I died. Don't bring me back. It's not going to be me. Yeah. But here I am. You're a you're a half-dead revenant. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Still f- forced into the re-threening booth for this surprising bonus unlock. Some would argue it's a step up for me. <laughs> and that's oh. valid. Completely I like what valid. she's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but this is, and also we did, Anthony and I both had the weird, like, anxiety thought of, like, should we do another episode, though? Because is that just us being, like, I don't know what even to call it. But Is it overkill? Like, or is, is it, it overkill? Do they want more? Are they sick of us like we're sick of us? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then we remembered that people don't have to listen to things they don't want to listen to. It's not, we're not compulsory. No, no, no. Um, and also, you know, uh, the reason why people are donating is because, you know, well, hopefully because it's a great cause, but it's like, it is people who hopefully mostly enjoy our show so giving more of the show probably isn't a bad thing but that's true but but we think maybe it might be (laughs) (laughs) that's okay that's okay once again the flip side to that is that (laughs) this eight thousand fifty one dollars so far that you have raised this is going to the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum, who once again are working to empower Asian American and Pacific Islander women and girls to gain agency over their lives and families and communities. Um, you can find out more about them at napawf.org. Uh, the fundraiser, we are we are keeping open um, through, I think, are we at Tuesday, Tuesday at like about noon Pacific time. Mm-hmm. We're going to we're going to hit turn off donations. Uh, and then we're going to do a little wrap-up episode where we're going to report back our final total raised. Um, so we would love to see, once again, we're not raising the goal. We would love to see where this where this total goes. We would love to see if we get to 8333. Who knows? 8666. Who knows? Any number is fantastic <laughs> because we we were aiming. I mean, you, we started this at 1000 bucks. So yeah. this is just awesome. Yeah, in a week. It's only been a week, and look what everybody look what everybody gave. It's just it's so cool. It my wig has grown three sizes today. Oh, <laughs> the little zoom in on the wig expanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So that's amazing. And and after like if you don't follow us on any social medias or anything like that, first of all, good for you. But that's where you can find where we're definitely like, okay, there's an hour left of the campaign or whatever. But if you come to this after that, after we've turned off the donations, you can always donate directly yes. at NAPAWF.org. They have a yes. donation button. Yeah, you so. can you can click it and you can do it right through there. And we would highly recommend that. And once again, for all of you that haven't been able to donate, those of you that have shared and, and just been able to do that, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, that still is doing is is helping so much and there's so many other ways you can continue to help you can reach out to your representatives you can go protest you can fight for justice you can go support an asian-owned business in your community mm-hmm. i'm sure it's, there are plenty of them there are plenty and like i said at the beginning of the three and in countless ones just around me in my little liberal alleged liberal mecca portland uh so many have been vandalized just in the last few weeks Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, support now is really, really appreciated. I mean, just alone in this whole year, it's been really appreciated because you know people have been because of what people have been calling this virus and attributing it to where it came from, uh, factually inaccurately. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's been really rough. So it, I just yeah, support and can thank you for continuing to support. And uh, obviously, once the training is over, this actual <laughs> the cause is not over. Exactly. And continue to, even when, you know, it gets, uh, when it cools off a little and people aren't posting about it all the time and everything, like, continue to support, to show support. Yeah. And watch some Asian horror movies, because they're real good. Exactly. They're my favorites. In true... Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one's a funny one, Stacy. <laughs> In true Gaylord's fashion... We got ourselves all psyched up, terrified, you know, ner- just nail biting. There, I have, I have nubs now, and oh. and we said, okay, okay, we're gonna do it. And so we hit the goal promptly after we all sacrificed. We all hung ourselves on the cross, and we sacrificed ourselves for you. And we watched Scream Three. <laughs> it promptly hit that goal. Yeah, uh, which I don't know if that was the universe rewarding us or the universe laughing at us. <laughs> because we thought about, like, what threes are left. Like, surely this is not the last three-inning, the, the last iteration of the three-inning. I mean, when it comes um, to listing, we've had, we have enough for another, right? Absolutely, there's plenty. But yeah. then we were like, okay, we're going to give them a bonus. We want to hit that final goal. What's a movie that everybody knows, that everybody has seen, probably? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, we, it didn't feel right to have the bonus surprise, hopefully get that one last fundraising push. It didn't feel right to make it, you know, beyond the door three. Yeah, as much as I want it to be beyond the door three because of that incredible sequence when a train hits a boat in the water, in the middle of a <laughs> lake. <laughs> Yeah. You want Beyond the Door 3, but we had just we had just had a grand finale that was a direct to video Poison Ivy film. <laughs> <laughs> so we needed some more name recognition. Needed the name recognition. What else can you do but Scream 3? Uh yep. and boy, we uh sure watched it. <laughs> we did watch it. I haven't seen it since it came out. Um yeah. I realized that like to the year 2000 when it came out was over 20 years ago. <laughs> and then I I turned to dust. 
My jelly turned to dust. This movie is 21 years old. Scream 3. Three. The third Scream is 21 years old. The third one. 21 years. The third Scream. Scrithrium. Can buy alcohol. (laughs) That's how fucking old it is. The third scream doesn't even need to wait for me to pull up to the 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. Now they can just march right in and they can get their their Mike's Hard lemonades. Scream 3 does not need Ma's services. It can just <laughs> buy alcohol if it wants to. Scream 3 is safe from Ma. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, I haven't seen it since it came out. I, went, I know I went to the theaters to see it because of reasons I'm sure we'll get to. Um, uh, didn't like it. Haven't seen it since. Wow. And so last night was, so last night was almost kind of like seeing it for the first time. Cause I didn't remember shit except for like, you know, who's in it and things like that. But as far as like who the killer was, I had no idea. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so still Stacy. She had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I love that. My first thought as I went to uh, start it on HBO Max, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I pulled it up, was about to press play, and then my eyeballs darted over to the runtime, and I said, this is two hours long? Let me tell you, that was, uh, we did the, the, the Unsolved Mysteries reenactment of that moment at our house. <laughs> <laughs> When I was two hours, yeah, two, two hours. Scream three, the twenty-one-year-old scream three. (laughs) I hate to start doing math for everybody, especially after you lost that calculator. It's two fucking hours long. No slasher movie needs to be two hours long. Scream 3 certainly doesn't need to be two hours long. As you're watching it, you say, this is two hours long. Maybe Wes Craven could have cut stuff like the Jay and Silent Bob cameo to save a minute here and there. No slasher ever needs to be longer than 85 minutes. No, and certainly not this one. <laughs> this one, which isn't even a slasher movie. It's just a, it's, it, it's the, it's the point in which watching it, I was like, I know we have Scream fans. I'm a huge fan of the first Scream. I think I'm out, I've outgrown the sequels. However, uh, watching Scream 3, it feels like you reach that moment where you're like, the initial scream it was already a parody of slasher films but done in a way that it still worked as horror right Mm -hmm. scream three i said what's the point of the scary movie movies if scream three is already a parody of screams well that's yeah i think this coming out less than a year after columbine happened when violence in media was a huge conversation point really i don't know if it hampered this movie who knows what we would have gotten but they decided to just emphasize all of the comedy in it and the problem was if you had only let's say parker posey's character as the comic relief and the rest of it was treated as an actual horror movie that would have been okay 
Instead, no one seems to be taking anything seriously. Whereas in the first one, even though it was meta and had funny stuff and etc., when the characters were being chased or something, they weren't like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was an actual horror. There's a difference between a horror movie with some comedic elements and a comedy horror movie. Thank you. This is something that I, as I, as I grasped my roach clip and started rambling at Jason, this is, this is something that I was expanding upon where Wes, Wes Craven, Wes Craven, everyone, master of horror. Do I love several of his movies? Absolutely. Do I give him a lot of shit? Absolutely. Look at what this movie is. Wes Craven, master of horror, is responsible. I mean, yes, Kevin Williamson wrote the the scene, and yes, Drew Barrymore's fucking incredible in it. Wes Craven lensed and blocked and directed that incredible opening sequence of Scream. One of the all-time horror greats, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Nowhere does that... (laughs) Filmmaking legacy translate on screen in Scream 3. No, this could be any filmmaker could have made this movie. Yeah, and he absolutely, that's what's interesting, it almost becomes interesting is that he, you can, he, he is shooting this as a comedy. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, this Columbine had just happened. Um, Clearly, the problem is entertainment, not, not gun legislation. No, 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 no. And remember when Columbine happened, that was the big bad one. That was like one of the first initial ones. Mm-hmm. Now they happen every single day. And now that the pandemic is is winding down, now they're just completely back, which is awful, which is also part of why we're doing this, the three, re-threening this week. Mm-hmm. But like, in, instead of actually finding the structural cause and the stim- systemic root of the issue... Which is, okay, let's just take away assault rifles, which nobody needs to have because they only exist to kill people. Instead of doing that, let's just, let's just um, come down on the media. This is, this, is, this is filmmaking's problem. This is that goddamn rock music. This is Scream. This is why Jenny McCarthy only gets one stab, even though she deserves many more. And so the result is this movie that is like, like, I didn't hate this. I didn't actively hate it. It's just I boring. Either. Yeah. It's boring. Um, it does have elements that fucking save it, mm-hmm. namely Parker Posey, mm-hmm. um, among a few others. But, um, if anything, this movie is just kind of anemic as a horror movie, for sure. And also, watching it, it just strikes me more than anything else as, like, missed opportunities. Yeah. Why couldn't they take that talking point, which they touch on at the very beginning, when one character's like, well, violence doesn't in real life isn't because of violent horror movies. We've always had violent horror movies. Instead of actually trying to address it in a real way and make something smart, they just didn't do that. And the bigger conversation about this movie to be had, that I'm sure we'll get to, that is a huge missed opportunity. Mm. It's basically what I want to say, like, my takeaway from the entire Scream series, really, is let's have justice for Maureen Prescott. Thank you. The impetus behind this entire fucking franchise, who is consistently slut-shamed by every entry in this franchise, where it all comes to a head in Scream 3 and is a major plot point, and yet she's just 
everybody's just okay with that. Yup. <laughs> like, that's just how that character's treated throughout this entire series. Yup. It's fucking bullshit. What is it that Billy Loomis says in the first one? Your slut mother, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second one, you know, oh, well, now now it's um, Billy's mother, who her marriage dissolved because of Maureen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, Laurie Metcalf is fantastic. However, still slut shamey. <laughs> yeah. In Scream 3, what do you know? The killer, and I'm sorry, 21 years later, spoilers, everyone. In Scream 3, the killer is Maureen Prescott's long-lost son, Sydney's brother. Who is directing yeah. the film and his takeaway of maureen being a victim of the casting couch and of a predatory hollywood studio system where you have to sleep with producers which is funny because this movie is executive produced by harvey weinstein like every other scream movie mm-hmm. this movie was acknowledging that open secret which actually i think is a really fascinating way to look at this movie and talk about it nowadays yes but that the takeaway Sure, the producer, played by Lance Henriksen, John Milton, who he plays the producer, who was named after the writer of Paradise Lost. But um, he gets killed by Roman, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Felicity, um, who is Sid's brother. But uh, Roman's takeaway still is he's the one that did this to her. And that's what, in his words, what he did to her made her a slut. He said, she, Maureen, went to Hollywood. It's revealed throughout the course of Scream 3 because, you know, this is where all bets are off. Because now it's about trilogies, even though this is not the trilogy Kevin Williamson conceived. All bets are off. They're going back to the beginning. It turns out Maureen went to Hollywood for a year. She disappeared from Woodsboro, where she had lived all her life. She went to Hollywood. She did a few movies. She was raped by the producer, had a child. Gave up the child, went back to Woodsboro, and had Sid. Yep. And the takeaway is that her being raped turned her into a slut. It's just... And the movie, it's not that Roman... This is the thing. I could see people saying, well, Scream is actually about slut shaming. I don't think that's true. No, that's not true at all. You're missing the opportunity to make it about that. It's exactly... It's... That line, what he did to her made her a slut, that's then why, that's the explanation for why she cheated on, on Sydney's perfect angel father who comes to visit her at her North, Northern California women's crisis line lodge retreat. Well, everything is like, you know, that's the thing is like, if this was actually about Maureen is finally, you know, sort of in the movie. Yeah. In a way, she doesn't still doesn't have a voice, but it's like if it was really about Sydney's relationship with her mother, if it was really about the things that we say about women and the way women are treated and the slut shaming and rape culture and casting couches and all of this, if it was actually about those things, it could be a really interesting movie. It could be weirdly powerful and it could also, that would give exactly, because then you're going, you're looking, you're not only starting out the series by making fun of horror movies and the tropes of them and updating them, but then you go back to, once again, systemic issues. You look at the root cause of the slut shaming of the, mm-hmm. fir- the killers in the first one and look, it goes all the way back to the man who is producing this film, Harvey Weinstein. 
Right. Well, that's the thing is like, I don't think here in this movie it was going to be possible because of who was signing the fucking checks. Yeah. You well, know, and the like culture that, just wasn't thinking in those terms. And the, the culture was not thinking in those terms. This is how we thought about those things in 2000 is that Sydney would be like. She doesn't try to really, like, rehabilitate her mother's image. She's more like, oh, yeah, my mom was a big slut. Woe is me because I'm paying the price for my mother's sluttery. Yeah. You know? And the casting couch. How many casting couch jokes are in this movie? Mm -hmm. And it's never, like, every woman who's playing an actress in this movie makes a casting couch joke. And the only time in this movie it should really have been done. You needed one of them. And the only one is the fucking Carrie Fisher, George Lucas joke, because she has also made that joke in speeches that she has given. Like, that's a running Carrie Fisher joke. Yeah. That's where it would have been acceptable. But instead, Jenny McCarthy makes one, and Parker Posey makes one, and Emily fucking Mortimer, who I did not, like, know was in this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the filmmakers knew that either. Yeah, Emily Mortimer makes one. And it's like, and it's just in 2000? It was like the it was a joke. The joke was on the women, and everybody was just like, "That's the way Hollywood works." Mm-hmm. And today, after it's become a central part of like the cultural conversation, it's mind blowing. Yeah, to go back and see how casually all of this was treated, how taken for granted it was that hey, she's a young, attractive actress. If she wants to like get a role in a movie, she's gonna have to fuck the old guy. And the the fact that that then becomes, that the rape becomes the root cause for why she can't stop having sex with men that aren't her husband. Yeah. And that's the reason why she died. And maybe that's why she deserved to die. She deserved, yes, she deserved this. And sorry, Sydney, that you're paying the price for it. But your mother basically got what she deserved. That character has no, like Maureen Prescott has no voice in any of this. She has no, there's nothing redeeming for her. Even now it's like, yeah, Sydney kills her half brother or whatever. And it's like, yay, horror movie, final girl triumph moment. And then holds his hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stacy, I would, I do have to fact check you. Real brief, real quickly. Okay. You, you said Maureen Prescott has no voice. <laughs> she has a voice, and somehow it has been entered into a very high-tech voice changer. Well, yes, this is, I, she technically, she does have a, you know what I meant. <laughs> I know what you I meant. Am, I am wondering, what is the science here? I get it, 2000, we were all like, what's a cell phone? But like, <laughs> but how can you take someone's phone i could take your phone and use that to synthesize your voice through a voice talkie that i can say make you say whatever you want what is this science it is the most complex technology ever featured in any film and it's in scream 3 it's a voice changer that you can use to mimic anyone's voice in the entire history of the scream films even characters that died years before <laughs> all you need to do is borrow their cell phone all you need to do is borrow their cell phone <laughs> and so then we get to hear we get to hear the voice of maureen prescott through that we also get to hear the voice of maureen prescott through um sydney's nightmares which okay her wuthering heights nightmare thank you kathy at the window comes <laughs> 
Kathy at the window comes up to Sid's Northern California Women's Crisis Hotline retreat and is banging her hands against the glass, being like, Sid, Sid, I must lie. It is so weird. Yeah. And so I, you're right. She does have a voice. So she, she does she, have a voice. That's just a fact check. I just want to put that out there. Okay. Yeah. Repeatedly, she does say, Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> It's mother. But it's also like the mother is treated, and even Roman refers to her as mother. And it's like, she's almost gets like a, a Mrs. Psycho <laughs> treatment, right? <laughs> yeah. Like she's sort of this overbearing dead ghost that is overbearing because she was slut shamed and murdered horrifically. It's just. <laughs> it's really weird. It's it's one of the I just I'm uh, if anything it almost makes me curious more about five cream because I'm like what are they gonna do are they just gonna do more and that's okay like the horror a vast majority of the horror movie climate never mind like the cultural climate has changed yeah certainly since scream four scream forum. Yeah. Since that time. So are they going to change with that and make something that's smart beyond saying, did you know that the final girl is the one who doesn't have sex? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) are we going to get another, are we going to get a Randy hologram that's like, well, you know, in the part five, they go to outer space. Yeah. Yeah. Heather Matarazzo walks out and she's like, hold on. I just have to set up the glass. And where's, does anyone have a power outlet? I need a power outlet. (laughs) Oh no, that one's yeah. Tupac. Oh wait, no, that one's that one's Robert Kardashian. Damn, where did I put Randy? Like, if you want to get really fucking meta with this, then actually comment on what's going on in the industry versus just like everybody knows the killer comes back three times after you kill him. Stacy, meta is not commenting on what you're talking about the problem is in an industry that you're making a movie about. That's not meta. Meta is having your final girl say, it's your turn to scream, asshole. (laughs) Because Sydney knows that she is in a movie series called Scream. The line should just be, it's your time to die, asshole. But because she's in a movie series where people (laughs) are killed and it's called Scream. Um, look, love Nev Campbell. Love Nev Campbell. Queen. Love Nev Campbell. It was so wonderful to see her. Um, love her. There is always something vaguely dikey about her, and I think it's just, she's Canadian. She's Canadian. Right? It's, oh, it's the Canadian gay vibes, huh? It's the, it's the Canadian gay vibes. Canadian gay fake out. And the hair, the hair, in, in this one too, she, it's like swooshes over in a certain way that's sort of. Yeah. It's between, like, early Janine Garofalo and, like, Coffee Shop Dyke in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's at her, like you said, her crisis counselor wooded retreat. I do say to myself, kudos for having the electronic gate code buzzer could make the gate higher than three feet, though, if you're going to bother with that. <laughs> and maybe don't need a giant picture window. <laughs> yeah, she like shuts the gate and then it's like beep boop boop beep boop boop doing the code to lock it and I'm like this gate doesn't even come up to under your breasts. Like <laughs> no one could <laughs> No one can penetrate this especially, fortress. Especially not killers that are known for getting into anywhere and unlocking <laughs> cars from underneath them and <laughs> Yeah. 
I'm like, what are you doing? That's so funny. Uh, that was one of my big issues. My other big issue is like, look, I tried to... I hadn't seen this in forever, so I'm like, I'm going to go into this with an open mind, whatever. Scream 3 did not get off to a good start by killing... Like, you're going to put Kelly Rutherford in a movie for me, and then you're going to kill her off in the first five minutes? Like, how dare you? This is not a good start for us. Kelly Rutherford, of course, as everyone knows. Megan, the hooker with a heart of gold from Melrose Place. I'm like, how dare you? I, I got so excited to see her, and then two minutes later, she was dead. Yep. Yep, she's, well, she's part of the big, you know, Scream always has a thrilling intro. There's Drew Barrymore in the first film. There's Jada Pinkett in in Scream 2. And then this one, they said, we need someone that is going to, we need to break the heart of America (laughs) by killing Leif Schreiber. (laughs) (laughs) And and a thankless role for his girlfriend, who is dead in two seconds, Kelly Rutherford. Yeah. I get it. It's like, whoa, man, they killed Cotton Mather or whatever his name is. Cotton Powder. What's his name? Cotton. Yes, they killed Witch Inquisitor. Was he, wasn't he an Inquisitor or was he just a crazy preacher of the Scarlet, Scarlet Letter era? Cotton Powder. Cotton Powder. Cotton Mather. Cotton Weary. Weary. Cotton Weary. <laughs> okay. who, who in this film, for some reason, is... Op- He's white Oprah? Listen. <laughs> All I know is those shoulder pads he had on. I was like, that was a th- Like, 2000 was that long ago that <sighs> Leah Schreiber could be driving around in a white blazer that has shoulder pads. Like, like from an episode of Dynasty. 20 oh years before God. that i'm like what is happening that white blazer the white slacks the white shoes and like the gray shirt gap shirt and I'm like what is this look what is going on i like Liam schreiber didn't care that he died but i guess it's supposed to like wow all bets are off you know because they're gonna kill a major character like that it's just so weird because I, I and I don't understand how I guess if you say that this is because it's making fun of Hollywood, maybe then you could make the leap that that Cotton Weary, who was arrested for the murder of Maureen Prescott and then followed Sydney around and annoyed her in the second one. Somehow he becomes this huge Joe Rogan media personality. Yeah, he's like bigger than Joe Rogan. Like he's like he's like they make him look like white oprah in this and it's so weird that he would evolve to that level but it's just it's and i get i get sure kill him as the shocking intro but like there's a better intro here somewhere well they didn't have the the gumption to kill anyone else major no no because i like if we're all being honest whether we love the characters or not like it would have been something to kill fucking dewey in the opening Okay, but they but they actually don't. I like I'm again. I'm curious about five cream because it's like, but you don't actually have the courage to do that. Yeah, yeah. If they kill, I, and this is the thing. I, as someone who grew up with the series and loved the sequels when they came out, I think I had I had a lot of issues with Scream Three, but I still convinced myself I liked it when I first saw it as a as a high schooler. Um, I would be hor- horrified if any movie ever killed any of the main three. So I understand that fear on the part of the filmmakers. But yeah, if you're going to do it, kill Dewey. Mm-hmm. And imagine if this movie, if Dewey had died in the beginning, and then we get the amazing investigative trio of Sid, Gale, 
and one Jennifer Jolie, a.k.a. Parker Posey. <laughs> Parker Posey is the saving grace of this film. Much like Blade Trinity. Much like Blade... I, I love... I mean, we all love Parker. If we if we have a brain in our head still, hopefully, we'd love Parker Posey. Yes. She's a pure delight in this. And if she were the only pure delight comedic aspect, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Right? Rather than everybody treating all of the with the exception of probably sydney um because i don't know that nev campbell can do wackadoodle you know what i mean like she's just got there's something about her that is weepy sad yeah well as the movies go on sid becomes more and more sanctified yeah and more (laughs) sad she becomes more sad and more pure and honestly like kind of devoid of sexuality which she had in the first movie yes yes and and kind of in the second movie like she's like oh i don't want to date you but cassandra troy and then in this she's just like the pure virginal sad survivor like i mean even Mm -hmm. roman calls her sydney the victim like is she a final girl anymore or is she just perpetual victim Right, she's the perpetual victim up until the very ending when she gets to say something cool. Yeah, and then she gets to say the name of the movie, a la Jennifer Jason Leigh. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, even then, Sydney is... She doesn't come into this movie until halfway through. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she gets, like, three scenes in her crisis center in her home, and then, by, like, divorced from all the other characters, and then she shows up at the 51-minute point. And then she disappears until the final act. I think... There's one one of those scenes is so weird that I that I'm like Wes Craven did like is this a horror movie whatever she's at her she's at her Rancho Relaxo <laughs> the uh, killer she's been hiding from the killer that's what you know she's changed her name and etc cetera, etc cetera. going full Laurie Strode. Yes. Uh, no know. mannequins, though. Sans mannequins. Yeah. <laughs> but she's got this fancy fence that no one, <laughs> no one will ever penetrate. Every uh, survivor needs either mannequins or a fence. Yeah. So she gets a phone call from someone, and it turns the killer has basically found her. She hears a noise. She goes and gets her gun. She's through the house. Is the killer here? Like, they were just on the phone. There's a noise. She looks, they show the window, and then it cuts away completely to something else. And I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. This is a horror movie. That's the resolution. And then she shows up somewhere else to like the next day or whatever. And it's like, I guess Sydney was okay that night. <laughs> was it even like nervous? Like she has her gun out and the killer knows where she is. And you're just going to cut at that point in that scene? Yeah. What? Did she you- just was like, well... Back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll put the gun away. It's like, I've been, like, I came home in my my first apartment. I came home from work at night, and there was a light on that I know was off when I left for work. <gasps> there was a light that was on. I got a knife, and I did not sleep that whole night. Oh, my God. And this is me, who is not Sidney Prescott, who has experience with these things, etc., etc., etc. Turns out that my cat is the one who turned the light on. Oh! How did you determine that? I, because he did it again when I was home a few nights later. There, It was like a what? long day, like, like the light was on the ceiling. It was like a kitchen light with a long string and a thing on the end. And there was one counter that he could get to and play with the string. What? And so he turned it on. 
Oh, Mr. Kitty and the string. string. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I was up all fucking night thinking someone had been in my house or was in my house. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so for just, I'm like, Wes Craven, do you know how to make a horror movie? Because let there be actual dumb horror movie resolution. Like, it's the cat that, like, like we've all had that fake out. Fine. <laughs> Sid's, Sid's dog broke the window. Instead, we're left hanging, and then we see her, and it's just not mentioned. It's just... Yeah, yeah. She instead shows up at the police station, not to report what has happened, but to say, Hey, guys, I thought I'd join the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what in the world? so when that's not happening we do get you know we get treated to parker posey and it's fabulous that is fabulous we get treated to to gail weather's hair okay what but what are those bangs like what i don't know What are those bangs? Like, I just could not figure out how it was supposed to. Like, it didn't even look like something that you could see where it was going and then it took a wrong turn. It's like, again, it's like Poison Ivy. Like, what was the goal here? That's the question for the stylist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was the goal? Who approved it? When it's pulled back, it's not as horrific. Sure it is. But but when she has the hair down, and then you have those, and then it just makes, it extends the length. Because they're also really high up. Really high up. (laughs) It's just so weird. Was it meant to be a Betty Page thing? I, I, I don't think so. I don't know. It's a Maybe? mystery. It's Maybe. one of history's mysteries. But <laughs> the whole episode about it on that show. Yeah. By the time she comes marching into the studio set, which she's not allowed on because she's press, even though she wrote the book that the movie is based on. Uh, by the time she walks and she marches in there and she has those bangs and she's in her, her mustard and ketchup ensemble. <laughs> and she has the signature Gail Weathers purse with a camera inside it. I was just like... I'm in. I love Gail Weathers. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? I want, like, I loved it when she and Parker Posey teamed up. Like, those oh. few moments were the best things about the movie. Except, apparently, I didn't realize, this was so weird. I don't <laughs> I don't know why. But when, for a brief second, we got Nancy O'Dell of Television's Entertainment Tonight. She was a re- the reporter. I got so excited and I don't know why. Oh. I was like, I, I was like, it's Nancy O'Dell. And I wrote down in my notebook, Nancy O'Dell. And I was like, why are you so excited over this? Huh. I wonder what could possibly appeal to Stacy about a somewhat now obscure television personality. <laughs> She's in, um, she's also in Scream 4, apparently. She was also in Scream really? 2. She keeps playing reporters in the Scream films. I love that for her. And I looked her up, and she tends to play herself as a reporter in a lot of movies and stuff like that. And I'm like, is there a fan culture around Nancy O'Dell that I'm a part of? And I didn't... <laughs> it's so 
it was just such a weird it was like a highlight of the movie for me was nancy odell for five seconds it was so strange that's a great gig for her and and for you apparently and and for me i was like i had no idea my feelings ran so deep see add it to the list of celebrity cameos then because we've got nancy odell we've got jay and silent bob carrie motherfucking fisher uh, Roger Corman? Well, that was Roger Corman, right? For three seconds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> what? I know. Is this movie? <laughs> at least, like, Carrie Fisher, Roger Corman, Nancy O'Dell, at least they were playing roles that yeah. had dialogue. Like, we're... the Jay and Silent Bob thing is just a kid. It's like, okay, we're on the movie back lot. Like, where's the the Las Vegas dancer with the big head dress? You know, where's the, <laughs> where's the guy on stilts in the background? Uh-huh. Like, just, we've seen this kind of thing so many times. We don't need Jay and Silent Bob. I realize it's Weinstein's well, Aramax. It's... And then it would have been another thing had they been playing um, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. Right. On the studio set as Jay and because then in Jay, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which I think they were making at the same time, uh, they have, like, they go on the studio, and Wes Craven is making a horror movie with, I think it's Shannon Doherty. Mm. So they were, like, kind of mirroring each other. But it's like... I see. But if you're setting this in the real world, allegedly, maybe, maybe it's just so clearly not in the real world, but if you are, then maybe they could be the actors at, just in costume as them? Yeah. But instead, we are left to then conclude that Silence of the Lambs, no, no, not that. That Scream 3, Scream as a whole, takes place in the View Askew universe. Okay. So how are these characters all friends with Chasing Amy and who went to high school with the people from Mallrats? And they're all connected, apparently. It's insanity. It's insanity. Uh, yeah. I was excited to see Matt Keeslar. Um, I'm sure you were excited to see Matt Keeslar. Why would I be excited? <laughs> he's so Keesler. hunky, but he has like he's one oh. of those people who he just has infinite goodwill forever for waiting for Guffman. Waiting for Guffman. He also he he uh, did a lot of great work for the gay community by appearing in Urbania and Psycho Beach Party when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, and then he continues to do great work for the gay community by playing Dewey, the movie version of Dewey, and having a great mustache in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Matt Kieslar is a dream babe. I'm going to put that out there. He is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's no Nancy Odell, but... <laughs> he's no Nancy Odell. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm not even attracted to Nancy Odell, but it was just like a... a I don't know. It was a strange... Re- Look, it's the wreath ranning. It's a bonus rethreening. It's the enwigged part of the rethreening. As I said, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a dead body okay. somewhere. I've been butterfly affected into today's episode. <laughs> Let me have my Nancy O'Dell moment. <sighs> I didn't hate this. It's just so, 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 so too long. It's way too long. Cut off 45 minutes of it, and I would have a great time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, I didn't hate it either. I actually, you know, I feel like we'll probably rank our movies in our wrap-up later. But, like, for me, this was not the low point. No. Still. The way you were talking yesterday, when I, I was like, we have to do, like, we know what we have to do. And what we have to do is Scream 3. Yeah. Like, we have to do it. And I feel like you were super against... I was scared because you were so, like... 
I was like, if Anthony Screamy Lover, <laughs> if Anthony is so against this, like, boy, oh boy, I'm in for a bad time. Well, I, I, well, I knew that we had to do Scream 3. I just told you you were going to hate it and have a horrible time. Yeah. And then I kept saying, I, and you're right, I did keep saying how bad it was. Because, because there's a part of me that wants every Scream sequel to live up to the first one, which I'm now realizing I just need to let go of that. Yes, well, it's not going to happen now. No, it's not going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> like, unfortunately, they're not going to, the 20-year-old movie isn't going to change. No. And the, the, don't tell me that. Don't keep telling me that. And this, this but I have to say, have rewatching it this time around, I was like, well, it is, the, once I just resigned myself to the fact that it is a comedy, it's shot as a comedy, I'm not yeah. having the most awful time. I laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. Parker Posey, when when Dewey and Gail and, and Jennifer Jolie are in the car racing to find Sid or whatever, and, Sid, and and Dewey's taking the phone call, and Parker's next to him listening in and, like, doing these big faces and expressions as she's like, oh, wow, at what, what the killer's saying on the phone or what <laughs> yeah. Sid saying. Just, just putting this woman in front of a camera. It's like Susan Tyrrell in Poison Ivy, The New Seduction. Yeah. All you have to do is put on a camera. Have, have Gail open a door and have Parker Posey jump out right behind her. It's so funny. It's she's incredible. Uh, so I, I, I absolutely was surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie this time around. Having, um, having divorced it or very early on in my life with it. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it I mean, happens. I was uh, the Parker Posey. She's just always gold. You know? She's always gold. She's, She's always, always gold. gold. In my notes, yes, I wrote down okay. in all capital letters, Nancy O'Dell with three questions. <laughs> 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 but then my next note was literally, God, Parker Posey is so great. She's so great. Like, She's there's, so great. There were enough. Like, I had no idea Emily Mortimer was in this. Mm-hmm. And I, so, so just the thrill of seeing Emily Mortimer being weird. Mm-hmm. Um, was a thrill. Like I said, Matt Keeslar. It's like there's enough in this movie that for somebody like me, who, you know, unfortunately I didn't uh, tattoo it on myself like I'm in Memento or whatever. <sighs> so I mistakes. didn't remember anything. So it was a little bit of, there were elements of delight in it. It's just too fucking long and too anemic in the horror department. And slut shaming. <laughs> and the whole plot. <laughs> Uh, you know there's just that but justice for maureen prescott was my big 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 takeaway with it absolutely i love seeing heather Matarazzo. she's i'm I'm such a fan of her even if she's only there to turn on a tape that randy made for absolutely no reason (laughs) she's literally just there to turn on a vcr yeah she could have just mailed the tape but instead she had to come to hollywood um i (laughs) I completely agree with you. I, I think I, I think I w- watching it and and thinking about the Marine Prescott storyline and the through line throughout the series, it did really get me thinking. Like you know, I didn't see what they could possibly do with Five Cream, but this seems like the one thing they could do. It's what they could do. I'm curious as to whether they'll do it. Do I think that the two men directing it, who did Ready or Not, and, uh, you know, made those shorts for VHS as Radio Silence, do I think that they will do that? No. 
I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> However, they have cast a mostly a, a very diverse cast, which is actually a first for Scream. Um, this is a very, very white series. Uh, so maybe they're making some steps. Maybe it will go there. Who knows? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I will say they did bring, they're bringing back, um... Nancy O'Dell. Nancy O'Dell. She's coming back. <laughs> and, uh, Marley Shelton is coming back after her appearance in the fourth one. Okay. Um, I was hoping they'd bring back Hayden Panettiere, but it's not gonna happen. Mm. So I'm upset. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll address it. If not, as a, as a cultural relic, this movie is, it is really interesting that at its root it's all about this horrible producer and what the cost of um uh, trying to just be a woman in Mm -hmm. in hollywood it completely squanders that with that the final read of what it does with that it's amazing that the whole thing can be about that and yet it's not about that at all it's not about that at all and the fact that they were actively because you know the movie these all these films are about tropes the first one's about tropes and horror films the second one's about tropes and sequels this one it claims to be about tropes and in trilogies but really it's about hollywood Mm -hmm. um and the fact that ultimately that everyone that they knew there was enough of that trope of the predatory producer because everyone you know as as like i think meryl and countless others have said well everyone knew it was an open secret yeah like that, that, that even the guy making the movie, the producing the movie, it ends up in his movie. Mm-hmm. And we still don't do anything for what, 18 years, 17 years, 16 what years? Y- what year was the Courtney Love on the red carpet being like, my advice is if you're an actress and Harvey Weinstein invites you to his hotel room, don't go. Yeah, that, I mean, that would have been her when she was, that would have been like, what, 99, 2000? Yeah. When she was doing like Man on the Moon and all that. Yeah. Or uh, um, people versus Larry Flint, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucked up. Everyone knew. Everyone knew, but and in you this, know. it's a it it's it's fascinating that they go there with it and that they acknowledge it and that it becomes a trope to mock, and right. yet the accountability isn't there yet. It's there's no like there. It, it doesn't ever. It it has taken so long for it to register that those things have like they'll talk about the casting couch and make a joke of it and et cetera, et cetera. It's taken so long for people to realize that there are real people involved with it and that women count as real people. Even if they, even if they are an aspiring actress, they are still human beings. Like we forget that these things, that there is an actual victim involved. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just, you look at a movie like, oh, I don't know, Dead Hooker in a Trunk. Mm. (laughs) That can be about this and make a complete joke over the fact that there's a dead hooker in a trunk. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we see certain people as less than human, that you can take these horrible things that happen to them. And it's just, it was like, well, yeah, that's what happens to hookers, right? Mm hmm. Not not accepting or understanding that there are real women, yeah, involved. It's their lives. Yeah, and that's also. Ooh, we've been talking about intersectionality this week. Oh that, yeah, that's not just misogyny. That's classism. Oh, for sure. That's also racism. When you look at the the disproportionate numbers of of women of color that turn to sex work, mm-hmm. 
And at the underlying root, oh, because misogyny is just so easy to dole out. It, it's all slut shaming. Well, what's the police code for things? NHI? That they use a lot for when it's like a, you know, sex crimes kind of. What's no that hum- mean? That I don't stands know that. For, that stands for no human involved. <gasps> yeah. Oh, are you, that's a real thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, Stacy. So. Hey, Cab. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, wow. That's yeah. awful. And that's so ingrained in our society that that right. we can we can see the, the... I love seeing Maureen Prescott. It's fascinating that in the film, she's just a photograph. Until you mm-hmm. get to this, and then she's a Kathy vampire, which is also what happens to, um, to dead slut-shamed women. <laughs> but, like, we see this beautiful, smiling woman, and then everybody else just throws their bullshit on her, and we're told to believe that as a viewer. Right. And then she shows up as a vampire to <laughs> smash her face against Sid's window. Well, that's the thing is it's like, it's kind of like, um, you know, back at that time also, ironic racism was a big form of comedy. Mm-hmm. And then there comes a point where it's like, isn't ironic racism just kind of racism? Yeah, it's just and, racism, but oh, I know, I'm getting away with it then. Right. And like, that's kind of the Scream 3 thing is like, you're going to point out all of the slut shaming and et cetera. But all you're doing as a film is engaging in the slut shaming. You're not. Yes. You're not saying that it's not okay. And we need to reassess this. Mm-hmm. You're pointing it out and then engaging in it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. He could even have, he could be that just another misogynist dude who, who kills the producer. Yeah. It's great. The producer gets his. But he could kill the producer and still say what he did to her made her a slut. And when Sydney goes after him in the end, and what does she say? She yells at him and she she does does some teach some teaching too. She has a teaching moment where mm. she's like, It's it's not your her fault that or I can't remember what she says, but she's like screaming at him about his She's basically like mom isn't responsible for creating you, which is probably their statement on columbine not being not occurring because of violent horror movies exactly yeah but like sydney could also while she's doing that what if she was just like what happened to my mom had nothing to do with you it's not her fault fuck you i don't know you know i am not Mm -hmm. writing it but like even they could have shifted it in that way yes and then the blame couldn't still fall on marine but ultimately the the end message of all three films is that it is Maureen Prescott's fault. Yeah, and you think to yourself maybe the angle would be a little different. Maybe there'd be a different line of dialogue here and there, whatever. If there was a woman involved at any stage of this behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think in the first film you could say um, that Billy and Stu are absolutely just an example of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And that it wasn't right that the, that Maureen was murdered. And I don't think the first film initially really condones Maureen in this way. But that in the end, to wrap it all up, they wrap it up in that kernel of returning to what Billy and Stu said and then confirming it instead of... <laughs> right. If you're going to then in the third film that you are calling a trilogy, which indicates an end, at least to this story arc... And you're going to actually bring this character into, even though she's like under a bloody sheet or a ghost at the window Mm -hmm. or whatever. If you're going to actually say like, okay, now we're going to explore this backstory a little bit. And then to just drop the ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last thing I'll say about Scream 3. This movie uh, is the least gay of the Scream films. 
and it very much feels that way uh and you can you also that is a fact because this film kevin williamson was removed from this film and aaron Kruger was brought on to then write it yeah um and that is all driven painfully home when you get to the when you when you get to the admittedly pretty cool set of woodsboro in the studio and sid ends up in her childhood home and you see her bedroom and instead of an indigo girls poster it's a creed poster (laughs) i was like this is straight washing (laughs) it's straight washing what is this straight washing gay little sid prescott who we both we have i feel like we both we have differing feelings on scream as a whole yeah sid prescott queen it made it on both of our favorite final girls list when we did yeah. the Necronomalog. We love Sid Prescott. We love Nev Campbell. And motherfucker, she has an Indigo Girls poster That's on her right. wall. Not Creed. Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> Such straight washing. They they also that's the song that Kelly Rutherford turns off in the beginning as a Creed song. And then they also like like they produced the soundtrack for the Who like, had a Creed boner? I don't. I don't know. I, somebody had a Creed boner because Creed was so involved in the film <laughs> to the point that they straight washed Sydney's poster. Terrible. 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 Well, I saw it again. You saw it. It's a bonusening. It's a surprisingening. It's fine. It's fine. It's a fine <laughs> movie. It's fine. It's fine. I had. I had fun. Did I enjoy seeing? a ghost Wuthering Heights her way to Sydney's door and I said what the fuck am I watching absolutely even if the, at the at the same time that ghost was a slut shaming ghost so mm-hmm. I was Odell-lighted <laughs> <laughs> you're really getting your Odell wings today I am I didn't know I even wanted them but that's amazing you know it's the pandemic it's the re-threaming it's all bets the third part all bets are off all bets are off (laughs) we're going back to the beginning and that's nancy odell (laughs) okay stacy let's be real the real reason that we have come back today is to make up for the horrific horrific absolutely shameful performance from both of us on the chops press <laughs> it was yesterday's chops press was one for the i well i would say history books but it's like it also though it doesn't need to be recorded for posterity it's one for the fashion. redacted is, it is what it is <laughs> it is one for the redacted my goodness it was shameful <laughs> It was very, very, very bad. So with that said, we now have a second chance. This re-threatening has been extended by one day. The chops press, the kiosk is hardly being held together. By, by, by the, the heads day is just shaking, trying to hold the thing upright. Stacy, are you ready to place your head on the chops press? Just do the yes. I'm just going to put my head there. <laughs> It'll get 
cut off, I'm sure. No, no, you This has win. not, no, no. The wreath reining has not been my finest time. Chopspressly speaking. <laughs> we know this. What? Yesterday was maybe the worst out of just a terrible week. Yesterday was probably the worst. Uh, so how high are my hopes today? Not terribly. I Not just... terribly high at all. <laughs> I'm hopeful for you. However, I just have to continue to thank our listeners because what the fuck has the vocabulary on the show become? Where like now it's <laughs> chops presley speaking. We have in wiggenings, rethreenings, surprise innings. <laughs> the fact that any of you continue to bear through this is just astounding, let alone the funds that you're raising. So yeah, thank let you. alone giving over eight thousand dollars. Uh thank you for tuning into our bullshit. I say that on the regular, like thank you for listening to us, but this week especially, as it's just been I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a butterfly effect. You're a butterfly effect. <laughs> so don't get your hopes up that I'm going to be clutching any victory laurels when this this round is any over. Victory wigs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get excited. Oh. You explain. The chops press. The chops press is expressed because in a regular chopping block, which is our question and answer game, you get to choose from three categories to answer. In this case, on the chops press, you only choose from one category, which is not chosen. It is given to you. You have five uh, questions to answer. You have ten seconds to answer each question. Um... Unless you call out, I want the wig, in which case, Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1982 film by Rick Rosenthal. Halloween. 80, 81. 1981 film by Rick Rosenthal. Halloween 2, thank you, fact check, levitates <laughs> mystically and divinely onto thine head, in which case the heads they are non-binary executioner who is holding up the kiosk also becomes <laughs> confused. And you gain an additional 10 seconds. If you answer anything wrong, you're dead. It's over. No wigs for you. If you win, there you go. It's also over and done for you. It's also over and done for you. And you survived the chops press. Yeah. I, 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 I doubt I'll survive. I'm sad to say goodbye to the word chops press. <laughs> That's right. Next time we go back to the chopping balak. Oh, it's, it feels different. It is a different experience, I will say that. You answered first last time. Okay. I remember that, right? Because we ended on my pathetic note. <laughs> where I died on the first question. I like Not that. even ten seconds, because I was I blurted out an answer that if I had fought for maybe two more seconds, you I would have... Even if I didn't get the answer, I would have at least remembered that that was definitely the wrong answer anyway. <laughs> Instead, here I am, head Velcroed on. <laughs> One more time, ready to go. Are you set? I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Maybe no, don't have hope, Stacy. I was just about to This is the Nancy O'Dell in me speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to have a little bit of optimism and say, maybe today, maybe this time I'll win. You know? <laughs> Thank you, Liza. I put on, my, put on my bowler hat and I say, <laughs> maybe this time. 
No. Instead, the hat and the head are going to be rolling around on the floor. Well, that's a great outlook in which yeah. to aspire to win. Um, Stacy, mm. your category, your final re-three-inning category, your bonus-inning, surprise-inning, bonus-unlock-and-wigging category is I Want the Wigs 2.0. Oh, We are no. returning to wigs and horror. Oh, no! Oh, yeah. Look, I yesterday yesterday there was pressure about the wigs because everyone knows how much I love wigs. And so to have such a poor showing, it's like, do you really love wigs, though? Are you a poser? Right? (laughs) So everybody thought I was a poser. And now that anxiety has just doubled. (laughs) Once again, a fantastic way to go into a contest aspiring (laughs) to win it. You do it right. You do it right. I think you're going to get these. (laughs) These are trivia questions based around wigs and horror. The answers all sort of vary as to what kind of answer you give. Um, But I think they'll be simple and I think you can do it. I believe in you. I want the wigs 2.0. You ready? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, my nose is tingling. I have the tear tingles (laughs) on my nose. I'm going to start crying. Okay. Well, that sounds like you're ready. Question one. After shaving her head for Empire Records, this actress had to don a wig for her turn as a natural witch in The Craft. Who is she? It's Robin Tunney. (gasps) Ding, ding, ding! And let me say, this is why I love wigs. I didn't know she was wearing a wig in that. Oh. Like, I knew prior to this, obviously, but at the time, or any time I've seen the craft, that wig fools me. Maybe Did other people immediately detect it. No, I think it's her hair. Look, <laughs> if, someone, if someone comes to me, I have such faith in my fellow humans that if someone comes to me. With a full head of hair. <laughs> I believe it's hair. Unless it's really Halloween town time. Oh, it has to be really Halloween town for me to, to say, like, uh, uh, uh. When it's, like, the plasticky and the shiny. It's shiny. Yeah. This is this is an atrocious lace front in. I don't craft. know what that means. You always say it, and I understand that you, uh, you know, in your world, you know. I don't know. I'm like, what, is a lace front bad? Is it the, is the lace under the hair? I don't know. Part of me doesn't want to know. Because I just don't want, I don't want to see the wizard behind the hair you don't curtain. Want, you don't Let want me the, have the, my wings the, in peace. The wig curtain to be pulled back. <laughs> Something tells me then, Stacey, that you're going to be perfectly ready for question two then. Oh, no. okay. Given, your, given your, your feelings about uh, wig technology. All right. Y'all set? I'm all set. All right, then. Question two. <laughs> You know, it's not a lace front, mm, because this serial killer dances to cue Lazarus with a makeshift wig that includes a scalp. Who are they? Buffalo Bill. Ding, ding, ding. Also known as Jane Gum. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what? Sure. Nothing. I don't want to know about a lace front. Okay. <laughs> You, Not interested. You just want to let. You just want the the magic and the mystery to continue to spellbind. That's, that's all I want. I you know, support. as you grow older, you lose the childlike magic <laughs> in the world. Not me. 
you're not going to have a repeat of when you found out Santa wasn't real. That's right. <laughs> Robin Tooney's going to keep that lace front <laughs> perfectly unrevealed. All right. <laughs> Question three. Here we go. Question three. Not only is she sort of a vampire, but her wig changes colors on command in what 2006 genre film from the director of the never-to-be-released Children of the Corn remake? I want the wig. Lace front or otherwise. Don't make jokes! Think of an answer! 2006? Wait, wig and changing color. Vampire. Oh no, I don't know! I don't know! I don't know! I don't know the answer! <laughs> Kurt Wimmer, I don't know the answer. I've said it like every time I talk about Children of the Corn remake! <laughs> I don't listen to you! I know! <laughs> Bowler hat is full of tears. <laughs> 2006 vampire wig. I don't know. That's what 2006 vampire wig is what it is. <laughs> it's ultraviolet. Ultraviolet by Kurt Wimmer. Oh, I see. I thought we were playing a horror trivia game. No, that's why I said it was a genre film. Right. I but uh, but I assumed horror genre because we're a horror podcast and our questions tend to center around horror films. I know that you tried to do some don't tell mom the babysitter's dead shit. And now apparently we could talk about action movies. Action horror with vampires. I see. I see! <laughs> I mean, forgiving of the fact that I have said, I can't wait to see Children of the Corn remake from the director of Ultraviolet, Kurt Wimmer, on every episode since I found out it was coming. Well, sure, but that's the same thing as saying, oh, I can't wait to see, uh... Nancy Scream! I can't wait to see Scream 3 by the director of that movie with Meryl Streep and fucking flutes or whatever. <laughs> Violins. <sighs> Mm. All right. Okay. I see. Stacy, I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Next time, maybe you can ask me about westerns. Because <laughs> what has vampires in it? Then it will count. No. Horror movies, Anthony. Horror movies. A movie that has a horror in it. I feel like The Craft is just as horror as Ultraviolet. What? <laughs> oh! 
burning down Stately Gaylord's manor. <laughs> You're Mrs. Danvers, just <laughs> silhouetting through the flames. Your category today, Anthony, mm-hmm. is called Queens of Screams. <gasps> now, this doesn't have to do with the Scream series necessarily, but it does have to do with horror movies, okay? So I will, list, I will name three horror movies. You tell me the Scream Queen that appeared in all three. Okay? It's all horror movies. Now, granted, all of these actresses have done films outside of the horror genre, <clears throat> including some films that might count as genre movies. However, I'm only asking about their horror work, okay? Okay. Are you ready? Where's my clock? Okay. <laughs> I'm ready Okay here we go Queen number one Graduation day Silent night deadly night Night of the demons That's Linnea Quigley Yes ding 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 Queen of screams number two Silent night bloody night Chopping mall House of the Devil. House of the Devil. Oh, uh, uh, um, wait, wait, no, that, no, the, the uh, Barbara Crampton? No. What? <laughs> you ran out of time. <laughs> wait, was it Barbara? It was Mary Warrenoff. Oh, wait, Mary Warrenoff's in Chopping Mall? Isn't she? She is? Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god, I'm so upset with myself. I thought House of the Devil would have... I tried to do, like, one that was super obvious that they were in, and then... You know, we all got that, Stacy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. That was super obvious. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Because in my head, I was like, I was like, well, Barbara Crampton is, I, I've never seen Silent Night, Bloody Night. So I was like, I have no fucking clue. And then I was like, okay, well, Barbara Crampton, because she's in Chopping Mall. And then I was like, but she's not in House of the Devil. And then in my mind, I was like, no, she's the realtor, even though that's Dee Wallace. <laughs> and so then I said Barbara Crampton. But then I was like, but Mary Morinoff is in House of the Devil, but she's not in Chopping Mall. She's in Chopping Mall? Yes. I love Mary Morinoff. Clearly not yeah. enough. God damn it. I feel God good. damn it. I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't redeem ourselves, Stacy. No, we did not. That we was, in fact, we might have made it even worse. <laughs> we made it worse. All we can hope for is that, you know, we're going to put away the spress until another day. Wipe the block clean. And we can full Melania come back and be best for our next chopping block. But we've all learned things. We've, we've all, learned a lot today. We've all learned things. Um, sure. And more important than us either expanding our brains or shrinking our brains or pummeling yeah. our brains into into three shaped holes. <laughs> what is most astounding to me and the most important fact is that this entire week because now we have gone monday to monday 
that's not uh, seven days of threening. We have done eight days now with this bonusing. We have raised, Gaylord's listeners have raised currently, just as us recording this, which is still behind from where you all are at, $8,156 for the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum. Yes! Yay! Absolutely incredible. Um, So listen, it's Monday right now, as of you listening to this. We are keeping this fundraiser open for another day. Um, yes. We're going to go back and we're going to record our wrap-up where we tell you the total and we do some last thoughts on the re 3 and uh, we're going to do that. We're going to shut down the donations, so we're going to turn off the donation buttons uh, at noon tomorrow on Tuesday, noon Pacific time on Tuesday. Yes. Um, if you want to continue to donate after that, we will we'll still have a link to NAPAWF.org and you can donate directly to them there. Um, but right now, this is the last, what, like, 24 hours? Mm-hmm. So we are in the, as Stacy would say, the stretch it out for grandma week uh, portion <laughs> of the retraining. <laughs> How far can we stretch this thermometer? Can we get to 8333? Can we get to 8666? Who knows? But Who knows? I mean, you've already done so much, so we have. We are not raising the goal. We have no more expectations or hopes or aspirations. <laughs> We actually have the opposite of aspirations now after this week. I do, after these chops presses. But this is amazing, and this this amount is all going to go to empowering Asian American Pacific Islander women in the United States to the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum. Um, and it, it's awesome. And the stretch goals also, the stretch, all this extra money over the 8000 really helps, because I also said earlier in the week, I said that every single cent goes to NAPAWF. I did find yesterday in the fine print, this is me being accountable, I found a little thing that says a, a very small percentage goes to processing fees for PayPal Giving Fund. And PayPal Giving Fund is how the money gets transferred because there's no changing of hands. We don't see any of this. Right. This, this is how the money gets transferred directly from GoFundMe to NAPAWF. Um, and that's like, it's like a 1% or 2%. It's a really small amount. So the stretch, the stretch helps counter that too. Yes. Um, but right now, 8156 raised. We started at a $1,000 goal. It's just, it's so incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you for sticking with us this week and listening to the episodes yeah. through the madness. For Thank real. Thank you for donating. Thank you for sending people the link and talking it up in the comments and everything. This has just been, um, this has been really nice. Really it, nice. It's been absolutely astounding, and it, it really, I mean, Stacy talks about her wig growing three sizes, but really this is, it's a rough year, and it's, after this year, it's hard to have faith in things, it's hard to have mm-hmm. hope, and just this kind of action, um, it really kind of helps counter that, and it helps put a little smile on our faces. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we'll be back. Wednesday, and this time we're not lying. We won't be back until Wednesday. Yeah, it's it's the end. This is this is actually the end. This was your surprise. Yeah, this uh, is just a little moment. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. So we will be back Wednesday. Lace fronts on, right? I don't know if that's good or bad, and I don't care, but we'll see you then. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured. 
yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.